Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, scumbags. This is the Scummy Mummies podcast. With your hosts, Ellie Gibson and Helen Thorne. Hello and welcome to the Scummy Mummies podcast. It's me, Helen Thorne. And it is me, Ellie Gibson. Ellie, we're back in Brighton. I know, mate. We're back with one of our most famous, fabulous and most popular guests. It's Sally Hughes. Hello. Hi. Introduce yourself, Sally Hughes. I mean, I could could list all the things, but how, how do you like to be known? Um, writer and broadcaster. It's my BBC tag. That, yes. I think you go with the BBC because they're always correct. And they describe me as writer and broadcaster. So let's go with that. And you, you've got many, many talents, obviously. we Because since, since we saw you, what, five, six years ago, you've gone and done amazing, fabulous fucking things. Um, you've, you are the co-founder of the Beauty Banks. Should we start with that? That's a pretty big fucking thing. Well, why not? Because we are sitting in the home of Beauty Banks. Yes, I feel like that, that is appropriate. So we're sitting in my office, which is my office. I pay for it, but Beauty Banks basically occupies it. Um, normally, we're alone today, but normally Beauty Banks is in here. And what we do is we uh, collect essential hygiene products and redistribute them to people living in poverty. Um the numbers of which have quadrupled in the past year. Um, so we are in more demand than ever. And so people help us by either giving us money or donating product, whether they are individuals or brands, beauty brands, give us a load of product and then we put them into the hands of people who desperately need them. So people in um, homeless shelters, women's refuges, schools, mental health trusts, family centres, food banks and so on. Excellent. Is this just an excuse for you to talk about your charity work? She's run a marathon, Sally. She doesn't like to talk about it. <laughs> no one who runs likes to talk about it. That's the secret. It's like Fight Club. No one wants to talk about running. Yes. We've we've both done some charity stuff. You you do stuff for the Born Charity for premature babies. Yes. And I do for single parents. We've all got our our things. (laughs) We're all great humanitarians. Absolutely. And that's the podcast done. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Let's talk about your your new book, Everything is Washable and Other Life Lessons. It's it's like a Bible, and I do mean literally. Uh, It's quite a lovely... It's a chunk. It's a lovely, chunky book full of just amazing, useful shit. And as uh, Helen was saying, so um, Helen and I started reading it last week, and I'm about a third of the way through it, and you've already changed my life, Sally Hughes. Tell me how. Yesterday, I cooked a roast, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm good with chicken gravy. I'm shit at beef gravy. Don't know why. There's never enough drippings. There's always a bit shit. Always comes out a bit shit. Uh, and then I read in your book, Teaspoon of Marmite. Yes. Changed my fucking life. Yes. Oh my God. The lads were like, this is better than usual. This is delicious. And I was yes. like, this is Sally Hughes' Marmite life hack. Even if you don't like Marmite, you're just going to have to trust me. Yeah. It works. It was, and it gave it a lovely, savoury... Exactly, sort of, umami oh, sort of A richness that you never knew, Ellie. Yes, yes, absolutely. So honestly, I would say buy the book just for that, except I've just told you what it is, so now you don't need yeah, to. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I was reading it in bed over the weekend, and I, I looked at my, my windowsill, and it had 
nine, maybe 18 uh, tiny uh, bits of candle left in the glass mm-hmm. jars and things. Mm. Sally Hughes has the answer. I won't tell you because buy the book. <laughs> but she knows how to get the, how would you describe it? The, the last bits wax, of the nice candle. Yeah, yeah, the wax. The wax. You've got these lovely glass jars in which they come in and Sally will teach you through very magical means that you can all do to make them into just nice jars to get rid of the wax and a little bit of wick. Keep and your have... makeup brushes in them, pens, pencils. Absolutely. They can yeah. be little tea-like things. Ash- tray whenever you want absolutely. to absolutely yes. see i normally i would normally put those in the dishwasher right and this is why i could never write a book like this sally oh fuck my, me i generally have a I, I love how your book's called everything is washable i believe that everything is dishwashable okay so i fundamentally just put everything in the dish it really annoys if i see like pete yesterday was washing up the yorkshire pan and i was like just put it in the fucking dishwasher yeah. it's a waste of your time yeah and i did once one time um, so I made a birthday cake for the kids and then there was some cake on the You're candles. You're already better than me. I got these, there was bits of cake on the birthday candles and I was like, I won't throw those away. Let's be eco. We use those another year. Did they melt? They did melt, mate. They, I put them in the cutlery drawer of the dishwasher and when I opened the dishwasher, there was just like seven bits of string in yeah. the cutlery drawer. Because they are made of the shittiest plastic, aren't they? They're made <laughs> yeah. from absolute rubbish. Yeah, so don't do that. So uh, you wouldn't listen. have done that, Sally, would you? I would not have done that. <laughs> That's why you wrote this book. What I would I have done is put them in a sieve and wash them under the tap. Oh, oh see. see. She knows, she knows. <laughs> oh, what, what made you want to write this? Were you like, I need to help people like Ellie Gibson who don't know how fucking wax and dishwashers work. We've got wax issues, Ellie. We've got wax issues. We should explore that. Um, I um, was... My publishers were saying, come on, what are you writing next? That went on for a while. That's what happened. I didn't have an idea. I knew I absolutely did not want to write a beauty book this time. Why is that? You just had enough of that or you just wanted to... I Just because, because it's only part of my career and it's only it's only ever been part of my career and I thought um, and the pool had closed and I'd had a weekly column in the pool for several years and I just needed to get some of the stuff I would have put in the pool out so there was that and then when I was asking my friends what I should write they were all like well you're the person we ask everything so you should just write that in book form so my friend Lucy Mangan who is a journalist, a very close friend of mine, Lucy Mangan asks me about 20 questions a week. (laughs) We had her on our podcast, she didn't ask us a fucking thing. (laughs) How strange. My my phone is like the fucking bat phone, right? Because, (laughs) Because Lucy Mangan is like... I need a backpack that doesn't make me look like a student. Must must fit a 15-inch laptop. I'm like, okay, so I send her 10 <laughs> options. Or she'll send me a picture of a sofa from the 70s and go, what fabric is this? And I'll go, it's Liberty. It's such and such a fabric. It's been discontinued in velvet. It's now only available in satin. And so, <laughs> Has she not got Wikipedia? <laughs> What's no, going and, on? But we both sort of enjoy it, right, so yeah. it's fine. I love her very, very, very much, and I'm very flattered that she always asks me, but she sends me all these questions, and I thought, well, actually, there are loads of things that maybe people don't know that I can put into a book, or there are loads of things that I didn't know that I learnt the hard way that I can put into a book, and then I always, throughout my entire career, I've liked mixing the frivolous fripperies with the heavier stuff so if you're only a third of the way through you haven't reached relationships yet so so relationships life and finances gets a bit grittier so there's stuff in there about how to support a friend who's going through IVF how to grieve how to cope with divorce 
um, Christmas arrangements after divorce, things like that. So it's not just, you know, how to make a white sauce, although that's definitely in there. So and that's I, one of the most important things to me personally <laughs> at the moment. But that yeah. will get you through a divorce. Yeah, I'll yeah. say, what she's, white she's sauce? done a divorce, whatever. I want yeah. to know how to make a fucking jacket potato and a white sauce. <laughs> I do think that represents how women talk to each other, right? You, mm. you, you know, I'll go and see my girlfriends and we'll go, you know, we'll be saying, oh, that's a nice cardigan. Where did you get that from? And then we'll be on to, oh my God, our friend's got cancer and talking about that. And then it'll be like, where can I get Botox? And that's mm. that's how life is, I think, for women. It's so full and it's so multi-layered. And people don't have time to just stick to serious or stick to frivolous. You've got to kind of maximise the time with your girls. And so I thought I wanted that to be in book form. Mm. Yeah, and um, so Ellie Ellie likes to do things in order. So she has read a third of the book. What well, I kind of went, oh, I want to know about relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what I love about your book. And I, I've read it in in bed and then I read it in the bath and I'm like oh I want to skip to that section and and things like that and of course I'm like oh should I get Botox yes I should <laughs> um you know things like that and I think that's but that's how our brains work at the moment our brains flit around like oh I, yeah you know how do I buy secondhand furniture or um how do I host a dinner party without losing my mind things like that that you the book kind of answers all those questions but also what a fantastic book to give to an 18 year old what a fantastic gift to give to your so. mum you know like something that sort of you know, we don't always have to just go to our phones to go, oh, you know, how do I do this? Like, it's such a lovely, you know, thing to hold and, and, and go back so. to. I wanted yeah. it to feel compendious, so I absolutely wrote it with the intention that you could just, you know, be having a poo, pick it up and read a small bit of the book. Or you could... How cu- to wipe your arse. Yeah. Did you put that in there? That would be useful no, in that scenario. <laughs> or you could curl up under a blanket and read it for several hours. It works each way and I mm. don't feel precious at all about however people want to read it. That's absolutely fine. But I wanted it to be like that and I didn't want it to be generational and I didn't mind that some people or that everybody will find some things in the book that they absolutely know already but somebody they know they might want to pass it on to. Like abortion, for example. Lots of women my age have either had an abortion or can, will no longer be having one in the future but they might have a teenage daughter or a younger daughter or a girlfriend or whatever they can pass it on to so I kept that in mm. was there anything that didn't make it into the book for reasons of space or you just was there anything you kind of wish you'd included so I had quite a strict filter that everything had to pass through so I opened a Facebook group and said what do you want to know how to do and loads of my friends said oh I don't know how to make stew or you know how can I get Botox or whatever it is so I looked at all those and the filter everything had to pass through was why me and why not YouTube and so there had to be a reason why I was writing about it I I knew it I'd experienced it I'd once got it wrong or whatever or I had some personal insight into it Um, And if I didn't know how to do it, why would somebody not just look on YouTube? So I don't know how to change a tyre, for example. So my friends were like, how to change a tyre? And it's like, well, I would have to Google that, watch Mm. a YouTube tutorial and then write it. What's the point of that? You might as well just look on YouTube. So the things that are missing are very often just because it's not my jam. Mm. Um, I I, um, really loved how you began the book. Because it, it, you, the book is the book's got great confidence and opens with such a vulnerable and beautiful beginning and about um, returning to your family home and and it, and it starts with love but it also starts with reflection and was that something you were very conscious of the way you sort of wanted people to sort of enter <clears throat> your space so uh, so for the past few years because I had written a few bits that were a personal family estrangement and stuff like that a few publishers had contacted my agent and asked me to write a memoir Mm. 
I had said no to all of those requests and there were a few reasons for that. Firstly, I'm actually really private. Yeah. Um, I'm really private, plus I have four siblings and so if you're writing about your childhood, it's not only your story, it's also their story and mm. I wouldn't want to invade their privacy or hurt their feelings. Um, and then to take loads of stuff out would be to not tell the truth and to sanitise it. So I decided I wasn't going to do that. So when I came to write this book, I thought... Well, I have to give something of myself to show why I feel this way about things or what experience I have of these things. So I had to make it a little bit personal. So there are memoirish bits in it. Mm. So it opens with the home section. And I'm absolutely obsessed with my home, completely obsessed. And not in a kind of frantic, cushioned, plumping way where you can't put something down. I so don't live like that. But I am obsessed with making it a sort of sanctuary. So years ago, when I was dating my now husband, um, we were at the Hay Festival, um, and which is about 50 minutes from where I grew up. And we decided to get in the car, and he said, oh, where did you go to school? Where, you know, where are you from? And so we did a little tour of my childhood. Went to my primary school, went to my comprehensive school, went to the library where I used to bunk off, went to my grandparents' house where I was born on the kitchen floor, like all of the stuff. And we ended at the house I'd grown up with with my dad after my mum had left and we were standing outside and kind of peering politely you know at the house and this couple came to the door and they were an older couple kind of mid-60s and they came out and they said oh can we help you and I said oh I'm so sorry I was just showing my friend my boyfriend that um I grew up here and they in typical South Wales fashion said come in come and have a cup of tea so we went in they were the nicest warmest loveliest people in the world and they lived in this tiny house but it was so gorgeous you know it was so loved and so warm and you could just tell that everyone in that house had been loved and had loved living there they had grandchildren popping in and out of there. they were just fucking great lovely people so they showed us around the house it was so sweet you know an accent towel it was just so nice <laughs> and then they said um I said well you've made it so so nice and they said oh we're really really glad that you've seen it now um we would have hated you to see it when we bought it because we bought it from a man um after you'd left a man must have bought it and we bought it from him and he was um in a really bad way his wife had left him and he had he had developed a drink problem he was an alcoholic and it was like a hoarder's house what we'd now call a hoarder's house and they said there was dirt everywhere it was absolutely filthy and there was junk everywhere and there was scrap and rubbish literal rubbish in the garden bits of glass and everything there was vermin um it stank like it was just dreadful and it would have broken your heart so we're so so happy that you're here now and of course I had this new boyfriend who's now my mm. husband and I don't think I told him for about 18 months <laughs> mm. that was my dad and that was my house and what they were describing was the house I grew up in because, there was nothing different about it shame or because it was just too much information at that stage of the relationship I was just or... embarrassed mm. I was just really really embarrassed he comes from a really nice middle-class family who who just got their shit together and um, I was just I was just ashamed really I was just really embarrassed and I felt ashamed in the way that I had when I was a child and we'd never taken friends home or anything like that we were like the weird family because my dad was really old compared to all the other dads and um, I yeah I just had to get past the shame of it and then I I told him um, and of course all my friends all my friendships are really really old they're decades old so everybody um, involved knew except for my husband and I eventually told him but yeah so that that story is really to illustrate the fact that 
my perspective on home is very specific in that I expect my home to be my safe place, a sanctuary, somewhere where you can always get something to eat, somewhere where the utilities don't get cut off, where there's always something in the fridge, where there's always toilet paper um, that doesn't have piles and piles of rubbish in the garden. I have a very specific viewpoint based on my childhood and it felt relevant to talk about it because mm. mm. I just I love how you talk about the home as these places of love but also because I'm, I'm not I'm not a hoarder but I my house my house is quite messy and and I I just I find it impossible how to get rid of stuff like I you know like this get piles of games and like there's a room just full of lego and all this sort of stuff but I I have Ellie has read how many times Mary Kondo three three times at least yeah, yeah. I find, I find just as I find with your book I find just reading about tidying or, or make, as you say, making something pleasant and mm. making a safe nice space I just find even reading that calming yeah. I'd rather read the book than tidy the fucking house to be perfectly <laughs> honest yeah well there is that yeah. <laughs> but, but um, yeah so uh, next week is half term and my kids are going to their their dads and I have booked a week in which I am going to oh. get rid of stuff and, it, and I thought oh god your book has just come at the right time because I just loved your approach about uh, maybe you're better to, do, to use your word, Sally, about how do you get rid of things in terms of, or, or how do you... Where do you start? I yeah, yeah, say. Like yeah, if yeah, you, yeah. If you feel a bit, you, like you're overwhelmed and you've just got so much shit, like, you know, what, what, you know, what's the first thing you do? So I can't stress enough to anyone listening that I am absolutely not Marie Kondo. Like, yeah. I, I, that is not my approach. I do not live in a Spartan, beautiful, perfect house where literally everything is either beautiful or useful. That is not the no. case. And neither no. do I, to be clear. I, you know, sort mm. of gently aspires. But even she, since she has children, has come out and gone, yeah. okay, this is, this is not necessarily a realistic, <laughs> No, I now have plastic shit in yeah. my no, but Yeah, there's when, Weetabix all over my, yeah. you know, delightful ramen bowls. I think she is totally amazing, but mm. I'm very much not that. So mm. if you're frightened of that level of organisation, that's not what this book is. Mm. But really it's about, I do, because my father kept literally everything, I do believe that if you keep everything, you value nothing. And so if every little squiggle your child has ever put on a scrap of paper is kept then you're not honoring that lovely 15 minutes they sat down and drew a really funny ghost or whatever it is and handed it to you and that was a special moment that's the one you keep that's the one you put in a frame and you don't need to keep the random squiggles because they don't matter to them Mm. and to apply that to furniture so my grandmother had a dressing table and every single day she sat at this dressing table and she did her makeup and I was just captivated by it it was such a hugely influential part of my life now when she died I just thought oh no not the dressing table but to her she just needed somewhere to sit down and put her makeup on Mm. it wasn't some beautiful Chippendale thing she would have got that in B&Q or MFI she would have got the cheapest thing Mm. she would have got something she could afford that she could just park up on and put her makeup on it didn't matter to her but we attach all this significance to things that actually didn't matter to the other people in the future I would hate my kids to think that a Habitat CD rack mattered because mum loved music it doesn't matter I just needed a CD rack Mm. and so I just think we have to get our heads around the fact that we still own the memories without owning their props we don't need the props memories are people places a feeling a mood they're Mm. not a bit of MDF and I've actually found for that taking photos as well is because if you're worried about having the memories that's a great memory jogger of photos and so I've taken I've taken photos of stuff and then felt much more able to go or well, can let that go because actually like you say what you want to hang on to is the feelings that evokes rather than the actual 
Yeah, shit my thing. nan would go, well, you can afford a better one than I could. So I don't. I didn't like it. I just got it. Yeah. You know, and I think I think we build these things up into these kind of symbols of something, but actually they're not. My grandmother was the thing. Not. So would you the start thing. then with the sentimental stuff that you may be hanging on to? I would think. I definitely think is it beautiful or useful is a good question to always always ask. Mm. When was the last time you actually took a moment to regard it, use it? Mm. If it hasn't been for a while, then it just kind of becomes part of the furniture. And I think the other thing that's really worth thinking about is are you actually just giving your kids a job before any die? Mm. And I think this quite a lot about mm. stuff in my house. I think what an absolute ball ache for my kids at a really difficult time. One day I'll be gone and they will be wading through this absolute shite that they don't need. And it's a difficult time when that happens. And I just think it's kind to just get rid of the stuff you don't use that doesn't matter, that doesn't have significance. For example, if you've had a baby, of course you want to treasure those memories. Pick two garments, pick Mm. a swaddle blanket or pick a present that somebody gave you, whatever it is. Keep those things, give the rest to a friend who's pregnant and put them back into the ecosystem. Yeah, mm. don't don't keep every nappy. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a few big plastic boxes in my. Um, I've got like a big storage sort of room at the back of my house, and it's just jam packed. I thought wouldn't it be nice if I could just kind of one box is a good way to look at it. So yeah. you get you could get quite a big plastic crate from Ryman's or whatever, and go right. This is my baby treasure box yeah in goes the baby book in goes the blanket i love in goes that nighty that she just looked cute in or whatever it is fill that box and then that's your lot yeah all right i'll start with that you don't have to get rid of everything but you just need to scale back so so what i've done sally is in four weeks time i'm going to have my 44th birthday and i've booked a house party i love a house party same i'm really 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 best parties right and so i thought I've got to get my house ready. And I've always said the best way to clean my house is to invite people over. Yeah. So I'm going to have a big fuck off house party. It'll frighten you. Yeah, and I've invited too many people. So I've got to clear some shit out of the house. So that was the impetus. And then I've got a week, two weeks beforehand where I get the skip and just chuck everything out. So this is, it's kind of nice. And I thought, oh God, this book is just so good. And what I love was the clothes sorting where you said, get two rails. Is this right? For your getting rid of all the clothes as well. Yeah, so you have, need to have a few piles going. If you go through things and think, okay, okay, do I wear this all the time or with some frequency or do I need it for like special occasions? Yes, so you put that on one rail. Put the stuff that's still got tags on onto eBay. Sell it because you're never going to wear it. If it's still got tags on, you're just never going to wear it. If you haven't ripped the tags off, forget it. Um, Then there are some things that may be not quite right but you want to look at and go why am I hanging on to it is it something about this color I like or do I like this sleeve on me but not the rest and use that as kind of intel for your future purchases you need to have multiple piles going on and another good thing I would say if you've got teenage kids I did this last summer I said to my son I was having a huge wardrobe clear out and I said right I'm going to give you literally all of my clothes your summer job is that you sell them you can keep 50% of the proceeds yes this is why we had children yes yes you can keep 50% of the proceeds then you have to choose a charity for the other 50% and you have to think about the charity and tell me why you want to give to them and he got rid of all the clothes he sold them on like Depop, eBay whatever it is Um, and he got some money out of it and he gave away some money and was forced to think about where he wanted that money to go and I got rid of the stuff 
And he actually did it. Can he, I just... Well, with some with some bullying. <laughs> cajoling, yeah. I was saying cajoling. You, you used the word bullying. Uh, you well, that yourself. Oh, there were definite mornings where I screamed up the stairs, like, sell my fucking glass. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because they were still on the staircase. No, they were well, at the top the of the staircase. staircase. Yeah. They were at the top of the staircase. But to be fair, he did. Mm. I love this sort of this super Hugo house, all very cosy and lovely, and this sort of Miss Hannigan figure. I know. Like, Sell my fucking clothes. Totally. Why a coat hanger's battering him around oh. the ears? No, it's, but he did because kids. The thing is, however lazy teenagers are, and they are all mostly lazy. Um, they also like money. That's what yes. I was to say. The bribe is a is a, is an excellent parenting yeah. strategy. Absolutely. Well, can we can we talk about teenagers? So so I, I've got two boys as well. Mine are seven and eleven, like the shop. That, that's a really good age. It's mm. lovely. It's lovely here, but I keep I keep meeting people who go. Oh, in fact, I had a meeting with someone just today. Who went. Oh, enjoy eleven. Enjoy eleven. And I was like, mm. why? And he was like, my my son is fourteen and he doesn't speak to us anymore. And I was like, oh god. But then I meet other people who that hasn't happened for. So I don't, mm. you know. <clears throat> I think I do think most parents have a natural age where they are like baby people or they are toddler people I found having toddlers very challenging mm. I, I did not it was not my favourite period having toddlers whereas my friend Nicola oh my god she was, she hated having a baby she didn't hate having a baby you know mm. she didn't like the nuts and bolts of having a baby but came into her own when her daughter became a toddler mm. and you do just have natural affinity I think with certain ages and I would say that the teenage years have been my favourite for me it's got better all the time but but I've really enjoyed the teenage years and I would like to stick up for teenagers because I personally speaking not about my kids I'm not showing off about my kids I'm talking about their mates their girlfriends all the kids I see of that age are interesting and they are funny and they are thoughtful and political and they are engaged and yes, you see them less because they're obsessed with their friends, but that's what you do when you're a teenager. Mm. You see them less, they talk to you less because they're out having fun and that's fine. Yeah. But they know... And relatively good, clean fun, as I understand it, a lot of the time. I mean, they're, qu- they're quite puritanical teenagers. Yeah, we were drinking cider in the park and getting fingered. I don't know if it's know. the same these days. I know. Well, there was a stage my husband and I were like, you know, where they were sort of gaming 24 hours a day, whatever, doing lockdown. And we were like, get fingered outside a chip shop like a normal child. <laughs> Stop shooting each other in the head and get out there and nearly get pregnant. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. Drink some cider. Yes, Yes, exactly. Um, Is is this the juice of those fags aren't gonna smoke themselves? (laughs) But I mean I mean, I'm joking, obviously, it's much better. It's much better that they're more responsible and stuff now, and they're they're much more um, savvy about things like mental health. They worry a lot, though, teenagers Mm. now. They worry a lot more than we did, I think. And also the world is so much up for grabs and and you know my kids are, are so much more politically aware and they're massively 11 and you know nearly 14 so they but they they hear things in the news and they're like oh god are we are, you know should we turn the lights on mummy you know can we afford this you know they're really astute and they but they're also incredibly compassionate about what's going on and of on each other, other yes, as well yeah, I, I, I think there's a much more sort of much more depth than we had I mean we had smash hits and yes fingering and, and, and that sort of thing <laughs> it's a lost it's art I tell you that's my art. memoir smash yes. hits and fingering <laughs> yes exactly the 90s with Ellie Gibson <laughs> smash fingering um, yeah so so I, I, I love that but I love the richness of the conversations I have with them that they'll hear totally. something hear something on the radio oh yes they'll see something on TikTok 
and but they're they're great justice warriors as well they want they're sort of champions of the underdog as well they are i mean what i feel sorry for them though is there's so much information now so my childhood was defined i think most people my age would say the same thing by the ira Mm -hmm. and the cold war yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we literally got leaflets through the letterbox mm. when I was a child telling you what to do in the event of a four-minute warning. Oh, the, the Protect and Survive guide, yeah. which was such a big thing in my life that my, my dad actually wrote a whole very successful stand-up routine about it, which then we would have to go to CND rallies. And age like six, I would watch him perform and to the point where I started to have nightmares about the Russians <laughs> dropping a nuclear bomb on our house It in was heaven. so terrifying. <laughs> Unfor- <laughs> unfortunately, we were taken to Greenham Common yeah, so was I. So was I. Oh, I, I hated it. You probably were at the same yeah, time. Yeah, weeping and <laughs> wailing and asking to get home to my, my little pony. I, I hated it so much. And and as much as my politics are pretty much the same as my parents now as an adult, at the ch- time, we were like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we just go swimming like the normal yeah. children? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they are they are How really, funny. really good like that. Although my, my eldest son said to me a few months ago, I can't remember what had just happened. I think it was after the invasion of Ukraine um he said so he's 17 so he's lived through you know obviously Brexit and Syria and all the kind of crazy economic stuff Donald Trump and like all this stuff and he uh, and of course the pandemic and he was like mum is it is it normal to have this much history in your life I was like no no, (laughs) not really no there's a lot going on right now he said I feel like there's been a lot of history in my life and I said there really really bloody has yes yeah and I'm sorry about that yeah, yeah, it's very unfortunate. Yeah, and especially because you had boys on the cusp of wanting to go out and explore, like, and they had to, they were basically locked inside. But what I will say is that nowadays, uh, friends are much more accessible when you're not physically with them than yes. they were. Yeah. So they talk to their friends all day, every day throughout COVID. Whereas when I was a kid, you obviously didn't have mobile phones, so you had to queue up for the phone. And then, you know, your parent would be standing over you going, you've been on the phone 20 minutes, that'd be 80 pounds. All right, okay. And you'd get shoved off the phone. Mm. Whereas my kids are constantly plugged into their friends. So there's, there's good and bad stuff about always being accessible, I think. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were talking about our boys have just started high school and you know, it was like, God, the WhatsApp groups that are going on and just, you know, it's out of our control all that sort of thing as well so that yeah there yeah as you're saying good and bad things but 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 overall I'm kind of excited about the teen years as well Honestly, also, you should holidays be. are so much cooler because you go out for dinner you're not worrying about bedtimes and yeah and I think you know since obviously becoming divorced my relationship has changed you know for the better with my mm. kids because we've mm. we've gone through a you know a trauma and a big thing mm. and now I feel that they sometimes they tell me too much uh, <laughs> about what's going on I don't on, think they can ever be too much yeah I think it's, it's I lot, think broadly yeah. speaking with teenagers you can't really ever tell them not to do something they're just going to do what they want to do and so all you can do as a parent is keep the channels open that they talk to you about what they're doing Mm. and not hiding it from you and I think that's the the highest you can shoot really oh that sounds good I'm starting to feel better about it because I think it's like before I had my first baby and like you know you meet people and they're like oh you don't know what it's like you don't know what Mm. it's like you've got no idea and then they tell you for four hours what it's going to be like and how awful it's going to be and Mm. then yeah 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 and then and then it 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 wasn't I mean for me but like you say everyone's experience is different and I think I think that thing about people are sort of good at different ages yeah I felt I really loved the baby bit and I found the toddler I found the toddler thing exhausting 
So it's very complicated stuff happening around me. I'm very aware of lots of teenagers in my kind of orbit who are suffering from really complicated things like eating disorders, gender issues, you know, um, ADHD, like self-harming. That stuff is really in the world. I'm absolutely not saying it's easy having a teenager. I'm absolutely fortunate. I feel like I've won the lottery not to have experienced those things thus far. Mm. Um, But... I just hear so much stuff about what a nightmare teenagers are and my experience of my kids and literally everyone they know from all different kinds of families, backgrounds, cultures, are that they're sound. Excellent. Good. Well, we're going to move in with you. Uh, My sons will be there with their suitcases on the doorstep tomorrow and you can raise them. Thank you very much. Should we move on to your fabulous... Can we talk about your fabulous beauty range, by the way? Because yes. Ellie, Ellie, Ellie is a big fan. I really like it. If I didn't, I wouldn't be saying this on the podcast. I'd just quietly pretend so I, hadn't, I mentioned it. I, It's just so good. And it's... But I really like the smell. <laughs> that sounds really funny. But I hate vanilla and flowers yeah, and so floral stuff. And it's not... I don't want to say masculine, because that makes it sound... The smell it's a little bit medicinal, men. isn't it? It's a little bit kind of... Um, so my brief to the fragrance house was that I wanted it to be a little bit like a spa, but mainly like my nana's airing cupboard. Mm. I want like like clean towels. Exactly, it's a little bit shaving foamy. Yes, it's a bit shaving. It's a bit soapy. That was my lockdown. I was really lucky because I got to. Um, I'd had like a difficult few years, and then and then the pandemic started, and actually, while absolutely terrible and happy things were happening to so many people, for me, I there were some things that were positive about it which was that I got to work on this very private project nobody knew about it I was in my house testing 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 formulating all the time and I had kind of two years of that and it was actually really lovely to work on something that nobody knew about that nobody could comment on that nobody could gossip about and I was just sitting there making it the absolute best I could and I am I am thrilled with it I I mean it's it's hard because I want to toot my own horn. However, uh, there are products in that range that I know literally don't exist for less than thirty five quid anywhere else. Mm. And so I I I know exactly what's in them, and they're made by people who get paid properly in Britain, and they are all vegan, and they are in um, packaging that's as sustainable as it can be for the price, and everything's fifteen quid and under. And that was really, really important to me. I wanted something that was accessible and fair, because I, it's so funny when I launched it. Quite a few kind of beauty editors and stuff said to me, "Oh, we're so chuffed. We're so grateful to you that you've done something cheap." I'm like, fifteen quid is not cheap to normal people. <laughs> fifteen quid's a lot of money, yeah. mm. and like for lots of people, that's an evening's babysitting, or you know, that's yeah. a, that's some childcare, or that's like a pizza with your partner somewhere. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a lot of money, and so I think it should be the absolute best it can be while staying relatively affordable for most people. And fifteen quid is the best you can do while getting it made in this country. Um, were you nervous? Because so my background is like video. I was a video games critic before I was a comedian, um, and people often people who don't really understand video games say to me, "Oh, you know, have you ever thought of making your own game? Why don't you make your own game?" And I'm like, "Well, no, because it's a completely different discipline. It's ridiculously hard. It's like saying you watch Formula One. Why don't you build a car? Like it's so <laughs> difficult and complicated to do that. Were you worried? Like, well, there are two things about that. Firstly, I was absolutely fucking terrified, and um, in the weeks before we launched 
I absolutely wanted to pull the plug on the whole thing and leave the country because I was just so frightened. Mm. And all of my friends were like, Sal, it's going to be amazing. We love the products. I'm like, no, I can't stand it. I was so frightened. So there was that. But secondly, what is different about the kind of the equivalence that you're drawing is that I had a formulator. I had a chemist. So it's not like I was there as a chemist. Like breaking bad. Yeah. Put some more domestos in. So I have a formulator called Laura, who is amazing. Um, and Laura is um, a cosmetic chemist. That's what she does. And so what we did at the beginning was I said what I wanted the products to be. Well, firstly, I had the idea for the range and I only had one idea. And the idea was make great skincare simple because most women are completely confused. Um, they're not in the beauty industry. They don't talk about beauty like we talk about beauty. Get a grip. Because mm-hmm. my friends would just text me and say, Salomon Space NK, tell me what to buy. I remember Boots tell me what to buy and it wasn't even a money thing it was just like this shit left me behind 10 years ago I just don't know what's going on so that was the idea and then I uh, worked out what I wanted the products to be which was really easy for me because it's what I use it's my routine um, which is really kind of paired back and then I wrote a list of all the ingredients that I absolutely had to have in there that were really important to me Um, and then all of that brief and then the packaging design and all of that I did all that every word written on the packaging is written by me literally all of it and then I submitted all of that to Laura and then she started working on formulas um, according to my brief and then there was just this constant back and forth throughout Covid so parcels arriving little sample pots in I would try them for a week two weeks send them back and say no I don't like the texture of that or no that's just not giving me enough moisture or no feels a bit tight after I use it whatever it is back and forth back and forth there are some products in the range that are on there like 70th version wow yeah Um, others were good quite quickly and maybe had 12 versions but uh, some of them went on and on and on to the point where the gel moisturizer for combination skin was meant to come out with everything else and I pulled it because it wasn't perfect really yeah I said I'm not bringing it out because I basically it's very boring basically what happened was I was thrilled with the serum I'd approved the serum the serum had gone into production I um, had approved the moisturizer at a separate time but then when they came back, they didn't work together for me. And so I said, the moisturizer's peeling. When I use it with the serum, it has to go. And so I pulled it. Uh, so that's why it didn't come out at the right time. Yeah. This is amazing. Okay. Business. <laughs> yeah. So now what, now what, it was a real lesson for me because now I won't sign off anything until I've used, I've had all the formulas and used them together. Mm. I won't do the gold seal as it's known which is the part the point of no return mm. i won't do the gold seal until everything is working together instead of in isolation mm. might start calling me downstairs that <laughs> when p wants to go no the gold seal's not ready <laughs> <laughs> you need to get everything working yeah exactly so i was terrified but i didn't have to physically make it with my own hands so that <gasps> i had a proper chemist working with me so oh well genuinely i think it's brilliant honestly thanks. So, mm. so thanks for doing that because fuck Knows we're not going to do a fucking beauty range. No, it's no that's not in our Not so we a brand killer. Put some. I can't believe it's not butter on overnight and yeah. hope for the rest. Yeah. <laughs> Does that even still exist? I can't. I don't know. I'm not a margarine lady. I don't, I don't. Well, it's not. Is it margarine? Is it, I don't know. It's not butter. You literally can't believe it's can't not believe butter. It. I can believe it's margarine. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they should have called it. That would have been a more honest, a oh. more honest uh, branding. Um, when you were talking about trolls, I just realised one of the things that you did in the last couple of years was your was it Radio Four documentary mm. Mm-hmm. about about trolls. Do you want to talk about that? Mm. 
Well, I, they, they asked me, so I do a fair bit of work for Radio 4. They contacted me and asked me if I would make a documentary on trolling sites. Mm. So these are sites where people um, gather together to just slag people off, basically. Yeah. And women, overwhelmingly. Women, um, it's overwhelmingly women they're slagging off, and it's overwhelmingly women who are doing the slagging off. Yeah. And that's the point of them. That's why they exist, to slag people off, slag women off. And then, so they asked me to make a documentary in which I met one of them. So they talk about me every day, all day, every day, and just make up wild stories about me, my charity, my marriage, my family, my friends, um, my childhood. They just make up these insane stories about me and talk about it all day, every day, like it's normal. And so they, um, at Radio 4, asked me to make a documentary in which I met one of them. And I met one of them who had stopped and who had written to me to apologise a few months previously. Oh, wow. I'd been in Greece and I'd got an email from this woman saying, hi, I, I was one of them and I stopped. And so she, graciously and courageously, I think, agreed mm. to take part. And um, I met up with her to kind of ask her why. Like, what why? the actual fuck? Yeah, why? Why? So she was, uh, I, look, she was good and the the more I think about her the more I think actually I really respect her for what she did because all we can ever do is own our stuff right that's mm. all you, that's all you can ever do you're definitely um you definitely can't be a person who only makes good decisions but you can be a person who owns their shit and pledges to do better so although you know it's not like we were ever going to become friends and I was a bit taken aback by her and frustrated with her and some residual anger and everything. I do really respect her for coming to meet me and um, and for having the self-awareness and the honesty to tell it like it was. And her reasoning was, um, she, there were a few things. Firstly, she said, I can look at my old posts and pinpoint exactly what was going on in my own life when I wrote them. Oh, really? Interesting. And, yeah. and bad shit, presumably. It wasn't Ma like, I got a new job that day. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Marital difficulties, problems with friendships, frustrations about something right. or another. So she said that. And then the other thing she said was, um, she said, I just didn't think of you as a person. I just thought of you as a character called Sally God, Hughes. that's heartbreaking. That's what, that actually makes me <sighs> want to cry. But, and she said, I just thought of you as a character called Sally Hughes. But then I thought, well, that's kind of self-aware, really. Mm. Um, but you can't really think that unless you leave, because if you stay, what happens is, first of all, they all lie to each other constantly about what they actually get up to. Yeah. So they all lie and say, oh, we're just being constructive. We're just like you know mm. saying we don't like her or we don't trust her or whatever it is actually they do all sorts off platform that they never tell each other mm. there's one person there's two people on there who's actually one person that's a whole other thing and it <laughs> literally talks to herself anyway um so they they do they do all that and so because they lie to each other and consequently themselves about what they get up to and this didn't happen to me but there are loads of people on there who've had social services turn up because they've been reported by somebody on a on a dragging site for not looking after their kids properly based on some imagined thing from an instagram post so if ever anybody starts to wobble they either disappear completely mm. and never come back or come back a few months later or they mention that they're having a wobble and everybody goes no no she totally deserves it you're just mm. you're just speaking truth to power no no this is totally fine because i think if somebody has said i think if somebody has said this is horrible 
for me mm. and my family and this is causing me extreme pain and really 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 upsetting me if you hear that and your response is to say bullshit she's looking for attention or she's lying or I don't care I'm going to do it anyway at that point you can't back down because you've decided what you are right yeah, yeah. you've decided what you are you're somebody who doesn't actually give a shit if mm. you're really really harming somebody and so you kind of have to front it out right because yeah, yeah, yeah. most of us would go oh no what yeah. have I done once you've carried on with it you then need people in with you you mm. need people to keep going with you on the yeah. train because otherwise you are just a piece of shit yeah. yeah and so and so this is what happens is this constantly kind of perpetuating thing of them telling each other no 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 she's got it coming and um and and you need everybody to bolster you up so it, it will never end it it has never ended it will never end it's like and I it didn't you didn't lessen a bit after no, the radio show you did an amazing no, video a piece to no, camera about how it affected no, your life it, no, like, it had no effect I had to make that video I had no choice to make that video because they thought it would be hilarious because I'd find out who loads of them were they thought it would uh, be hilarious to tell a whistleblowing gossip account on Instagram that I was on the take from Charlotte Tilbury which is like a completely invented story <laughs> wow. um, and they just thought that would be funny to get back at me so they told them and then within about 20 minutes I had literally thousands of trolling messages from all over the world from people who'd seen this story reposted on a gossip account so I had literally no choice but to go public that's why I went public the gossip account then um, the whistleblowing account then removed the story and semi-apologised to me but I'd, I had to do it or else the story would have stayed up and mm. and I don't know what the consequences would have been. It was my son's birthday. It was just an absolute nightmare. Mm. Um, and so I had no choice but to go public. I wouldn't have gone public mm. if, I, if I'd had a choice about it. But it, it will never stop. It flares up more. It goes a bit quiet for a while. Obviously, if I'm doing something... it so it stops you from doing things I, I, like I don't post sometimes because I think I can't actually face it mm. um, but yeah it kind of ebbs and flows but it never goes away they're just and obsessed you, are you able so then is it one of those things where you can't control that so you, all you can control is yourself are you able to not look at it I mean you shouldn't have to well right? I don't look at it of, yeah. I never ever ever look at it but my family and friends have screen grabs for legal reasons um, but also it's not about me it's about other people in my life so for example one of them has invented this insane story that I plagiarised Beauty Banks as a charity from somebody else and the example they give is a charity that launched eight months after us citing us as their inspiration anyway but it's like so you're gossiping about this as though it's a thing because you hate me and you want to make me sound like a plagiarist even though like I've literally got screen grabs from this woman going thanks for the inspo launching our charity but fine but actually we help people living in poverty and if you discredit us as a charity that has material impact on people who are much less fortunate than you who can't afford to spend their days sitting on the internet obsessively slagging off somebody they know nothing about mm. so fuck off is what yeah. I'm saying so <laughs> yeah. yeah. no, fuck yourself fuck you as Miriam Margulies would yeah. say <laughs> bastard you. fuck you <laughs> We've just been listening to that Miriam Margulies clip on repeat, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes, Jeremy Hunt. I think one of the criticisms we once got was they look like they, they smell. Always look like, they, always, <laughs> they always look like they stink. <laughs> and I was like, 
you know what? Compared... A lot of the time we do, mate. A lot of the time we, we do. All those cat so, suits. Somebody ca- compared me, somebody on the trolling site compared me to Harvey Weinstein. Oh, Fuck wow. Uh, yeah, somebody compared <laughs> me to Harvey Weinstein, apparently. I was told that one. And, wow. um, and another person said, um, which made my friends hysterical, another person said, you can tell she's the kind of person who's rude to waitresses in restaurants. And my friends found this hysterical because I am polite to a fault in restaurants. I'm never, oh. I would leave if somebody was rude to a waitress yeah, yeah. in front of me. I just think it's so disgusting because I've worked in hospitality. Yeah. Um, I think and, you once said about you, everyone must work yeah, in hospitality. In a service think, industry. Yeah, in a service yeah. industry. And yeah. Oprah who says you can judge a person by how they treat service staff. And I, now, that, now that I'm in the dating world, I always like meeting a bloke you know, and not having one of my home dates, uh, like in a bar. <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> home date. It's not a date; it's a transaction. I know. I know. She said, "Oh, I said, oh, I've had a date." She said, "What you do?" I said, "Well, he came to my house and we had sex." She's like, "That's not a date, Helen. That's just <laughs> yeah. fucking." I was like, well, "I had a fuck date anyway." Um, but I so notice manners. Like if they're rude yeah, to the way, I'm like, really "No, I'm important. done. I'm done." And you, I, just getting back to your book about how to leave a date, and I thought this was excellent advice about. Don't just say, oh, I've got a phone call and go. What do you say? You kind of have to set it. Excellent. excellent You have to set it up. You have to kind of give warning that there may be a thing you have to tend to later on. Yes, I like this. And so so you you imply before the date that there may be something that needs your attention that requires you to leave early later on. That means that when you do leave early, even if they kind of know what's going on, you've feathered the nest. Something like, oh, I think I might be getting a Veruca, something like that. I've got hemorrhoids. It yeah. could go off yeah. at any time. I think I might be pregnant. I've just done a test in the toilet. Oh, <laughs> shit, fuck. But if you don't leave, if you don't leave, you can even make a joke out of it. You can say that thing I said earlier was bollocks. I was just, I was going to leave if I didn't like you, but I do, hurrah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's like a little bonding moment, isn't mm. it? But I think, I think you feather the nest. You give yourself a get out because I do think it's bad karma to say, you know, my child's having anaphylaxis mm. or something. And you wouldn't you wouldn't just be honest you think it's too hurtful to just go, Do you know what this is this this isn't for me? <laughs> I've, I've Look if you've got it me. if you've got it in you, to be honest with be honest, but I think I don't think it's necessary. I think not fancying somebody is not somebody's fault necessarily. Yeah. So no. I don't think you have to let them think they're unfancyable. I think what? you can say... <laughs> Go on, Helen. Helen's making her face. I had, I had a date with a guy. He said, oh, I've done a couple of radical honesty courses. I was yeah, like, no, that would be oh. me. That would be me deploying the earlier story. Oh, I my think. God. And he was really into polyamory. And I was like, yeah, oh, that no. turns out well. No. Oh, yeah. I said, it's always someone sure. who misses out. Anyway, so I, I made no, a look, joke. if somebody yeah. said to me on a date, not that. I hopefully am ever going to go on one again but if somebody said to me on a date I'm into polyamory in that situation I would go yeah it's not going to work because I'm never going to be into that and yeah. I, I would be honest in that situation but sometimes it's just not a vibe it, you know yeah. you, you just think you want to call time on it and I don't think that's the other person's yeah. fault it's just fine to go I've got to get back for a thing yeah. and, and just leave not everybody else's hole is a goal and no. that's, that's the way I live my that's life it. that's it also people need to get their heads around the fact that you do not have to express every thought in your head <laughs> <laughs> or every fluid in your body <laughs> and I oh, think wow. you know your opinion of somebody is not their business mm. it's yours yeah yeah I had that I had that on the weekend I was uh, uh, at uh, I was just getting my son was doing track cycling and he was just about to come off the track and it was cold I thought oh go and get him a hot chocolate right and so I was in the queue to to get to get him a hot chocolate and there was a, a, a middle-aged white guy in full cycling gear like oh, everything yeah. was lycra very standing very confidently with like his padded small groin next to me and everyone right hands on hips 
And, uh, and I said, oh, I'll have a hot chocolate. And I said, oh, can I have a lid? And she said, she gave me a lid and it was carbon. I said, oh, eco, that's very, you know, eco-friendly. And he said, he butted in and said, I think you'll find if you don't have a lid, that will be more eco because reduce, reduce, reuse, recycling. How about starting with reducing? And I thought, oh, I was so, I just wanted to tip. How about this? Yes. Fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. I wanted to tip the entire scalding contents all over his body. Oh, I, thought, I don't blame you. I was so incensed that he had this inane confidence that he thought he could patronise me about a fucking coffee lid. Yeah. I was so And it's cross. always that thing, is it? And sometimes I've been talking to men and gone, oh, this happened. And they've gone, oh, well, maybe it was just this. Yeah. And maybe, and I've gone, would that have happened to a man? Would that person yeah. have said or done that yeah. to you? Yeah. And nine times out of ten they go, uh, see what you mean now? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's yeah. like, I didn't ask your opinion. And, it, and it's when people say, I think you'll find, like like I'm some kind of With fucking, all due respect. Yes. I'm so, oh, it just made me, it made me very, very cross, obviously. Which means with no respect whatsoever. No, always, no. doesn't yeah. it? You yeah. stupid idiot. Don't take the lid. Anyway, so that was about, yes. But I, I know what you mean about this. We are now able to comment, share our opinion 24-7. And we don't have to. We just don't have to. I have so many opinions in the day where I go, do you know what? Sit mm. this one out. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. No. Nobody cares. It's going to hurt someone's feelings. Just sit this one out. And and this, I think when social media started, everyone went through that phase of, oh, this is where I express all the time. Yeah. And everybody did that, uh, whether it was nasty or healthy or whatever people were doing. And as the years have gone on, more and more and more, I think, oh, shut up this is about you know if you want to express anger at somebody the only time I'll ever really express anger is kind of the government really because yeah. they're elected and they are ruining the country but day to day if it's a celebrity getting on my nerves or whatever I just think but you know what they're, they're a person I'm going to hurt mm. their feelings or they're not going to know and nobody will care so mm. what is the actual point but did you ever get an answer as to why why these people do this well, bullshit well they, they would all, they would definitely all say that they're doing nothing wrong they do, They think they're doing absolutely nothing <gasps> wrong so even though you're saying this is a horrible horrible experience and has been for years for me and my family they don't give a shit they just say well she deserves it so it, 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 it's just so irrational it's so nonsensical and I think I think when you're in it you don't want to look at the harm you're causing and I think the longer you're in it the longer you need to stay in it to justify mm. your position um, also, it's you know, it's not about me. It's got nothing to do with me. The person they're describing doesn't even resemble me. And my friends are like, who are they on about? You know, mm. um, self awareness is about knowing when the problem is you, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, and if you're lacking self awareness, you will constantly project and say, it's Sally Hughes. She's bloody awful. <laughs> she boils my piss or whatever it is. Um, actually, the problem is you're absolutely furious with a person you don't know mm. in any way. Yeah, so you a... see tiny, tiny, tiny slivers of on the internet and you've constructed an entire world around them. Why are you doing that? Why is that? Why are you spending your time doing that? It's mm. so bloody weird. It's like reverse religion. Like, you know, when you've got a god, a deity which you praise and you look to, it's sort of like, and, and you, you say, oh, well, God, mm. God gave me this or whatever. It's like the opposite of that. They're like, they're, they're using someone as a negative thing oh, she's so been compared to Harvey Weinstein I don't think you need to compare her to Satan <laughs> she's been for a knot Helen for fuck's sake that's a step too far no I'm it. talking about the, the, the trolls in which you're they are speaking metaphorically about, yeah. <laughs> I mean what what a world it's like I, I, so sorry I, I, 
I have found it incredibly, incredibly painful, and I think about it most days. However, mm. when I was making the doc- documentary, I spoke to people who were, who literally. I spoke to one woman who was literally in a psychiatric ward, having attempted suicide because of the same site. Um, I spoke to multiple women who had social services or the police turn up at their houses because malicious reports had been made mm. um, about their children. Um, mm. People whose businesses had received loads of negative reviews from people who'd never been customers yeah. because they were on trolling sites. This stuff happens all the time. They all pretend they don't do it, but they absolutely do because mm. you can retrace the steps of everybody. And that that's what's difficult when it spills into real life, which it frequently does. And you're right, that's not name-calling or criticism or feedback. It's, that's abuse it's, is, is it, what it, it's harassment Mm. it's harassment and abuse and um, all the psychologists I spoke to uh, said that having looked at it and poor buggers had to go on there and spend the day they all said that the behaviours are much more aligned with stalking and harassment than they are with uh, online trolling Mm. Um, because the, there's so there's so many commonalities. But it's the obsession. It's it, they're overwhelmed. I, yeah, I just don't get it. Four years. I mean, yeah. it's just mad. I don't yeah, know. absolutely insane. But some people just have an unbelievably bad time because of the, they have small children. And, mm. You know, social services, police. It's just it's just absolutely terrible for them. Mm. Well, uh, if you're listening, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just fucking. Fuck Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Fuck off. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, no, I've no other no. more useful No, let's move on, on to Roll something on. cheery. Should we do Scummy Mummy Confessions? Come on. Let's, let's do, do Scummy Mummy Confessions. Something really, really exciting. Um, so I have a secret internet persona where I go online. <laughs> I troll the leading broadcasters and journalists of Britain. Uh, with, uh, Watch yeah, out. Ellie's about. <laughs> Um, Helen, do you have a scummy mummy confession? I for do us? have a scummy mummy confession. I had that thing where I was trying to be on time. I tried to be on time. I do, um, but you know, my daughter was taking ages from swimming lessons, and I thought, right, I've got fifteen minutes. I've got to 
have a shower, shave my legs, get nice frock on, make them ham and cheese toasty. Ooh, I've got shave to do... your legs. Oh, oh yeah, right. well, you yeah. never know. Never know. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, Matilda, I put the ham and cheese toasties on the grill, um, you know, on the, the pan, and just just do them. Just Can you just do the thing? Just do the thing. So I was just about to step into the shower. She's like, oh, I've dropped the toasties. I was like, ah. So I ran down the stairs naked. And when I ran down, because my boobs are shrunk from a G to a C, and now they're just like little f- flesh crumpets. As I ran down the stairs, not only was the, the clomp clomp of my feet, but each breast made a different sound. It was sort of little flappy, like you know those oh. flappy things that you used to get at like circuses. It was seals. Yes. No. 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 You know those clacky things. You know the clicky clacky things. Oh, like you get a football matches. Yeah. Like yeah. The... And that's what it sounded like. Yes. <laughs> like castanets. Yes. Yes. Like castanets. And they would sort of And then I like. I had to reassemble the cheese toast it kind of half melted and the ham had slipped off and then I reassemble it went back up again and then and well, then what you should have done at that point is reassemble the cheese toast and then just tucked one under each breast yes, I think and then that, that would have warmed it back up nice yes, and then it would have gone up cup yeah. size and, and, and yes, they like test, a panini press they test the firmness of your boobs don't they by whether you can hold a pencil under them yes oh, and that, yeah. Shit, there was that they? brilliant thing in lockdown Daisy May Cooper who I obviously love anyway oh my god but essentially had like a couple of yellow pages on <laughs> I love she she was doing braless dancing and I had to watch all of them many many times (laughs) when she danced to the BBC news do you remember that one it was just I love you David May Cooper she's so great oh my god I just thought here am I just trying to be glamorous and I'm running around naked doing cheese toasties like with 10 minutes to go going fuck but it was it's, it's a weird thing when your boobs get small that like now if I lift my arms out my bra cups go over the top all these, these new things about discovering uh, with tiny new boobs is new, a weird one yes but they're, but they're the same size skin but no flesh so they're just these little wrinkly little flappy yeah yeah mine is shrunken I had mine chopped oh did, how, did, how did that what, what's that like I it, do you know it's just like the best decision of my life oh wow I did it about so I did it just before COVID, so I did it in February 2020. Yeah. So uh, over two years now. And so what will that be? Three years next February. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had a breast reduction and it was amazing. And what I would say, I would have done it years before, but I could never have afforded it. But what I would say is if your tits are huge and you have absolutely had enough and you have the means to get it done I can't recommend it highly enough it has the highest satisfaction rate of any surgery Wow! with with patients it has by far the highest satisfaction rate of any surgery Ellie Ellie recently had uh, was told that you have young fleshy breasts very dense I had a lump in my breast they said oh yes you have got a lump it's fine it's just a cyst and they drained it and they were like "Um, you you actually this is going to happen again because you have very dense firm young breasts breast tissue and I was like yes yes I do doctor what are you doing later (laughs) Um, so yeah it was delightful I'm feeling very I'm going to try the pencil trick though oh look you could I could get a four colour biro under there oh you could get anything Um, well my confession is so it was my birthday last week and uh, I went to Venice because uh, I'm a wanker Uh, so the flights are 50 pounds return 50 pound cheap yeah flights Uh, so yeah me and Pete went um, and it was lovely and we went without kids so it was all very exciting and it was mm. like and then when we got to the airport he did this thing that you've witnessed Helen that he does mm. where like so I'm a person who likes to be exactly on time don't like to be miles early don't like to be super late I like to be exactly on time he has to have hot food at the airport which drives me 
fucking mad. Incorrect. You, Helen, yeah. like to be at the airport just six get or a seven days. Sandwich. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just get a sandwich. You like to be at the airport six or seven days. Yeah, I like to get a mani pedi, have yeah. a bottle of champagne, yeah. uh, exactly. buy a new range of clothes, yeah. and you would be unwell. Oh, I'd be, I'd be like physically shaking. I like to be there very early. My husband's a horrible traveller. Is he? Oh <sighs> my god, it drives me mad. Is he an on-time person or is he? It's more the sort of level of anxiety. Is he a just ditherer? Just really straightforward airport protocol. Drives me up the wall. So I travel a lot for work and I'm in, like I know yeah. when to get to the airport. I'm not early to the airport, but I'm also not late. Yeah. I know what's happening. Everything's already in the bag to go on the conveyor belt. Like everything's fine. Mm. I don't, I just chill about everything. I'm not a panicky traveller. He's like, oh, how many fluids can I have? It's fine. You're absolutely fine. Oh, do I put this in there, this in there? It's like, mate, you've been on so many flights. How can it be new anxiety every time? Mm. And flapping, we need to get to the gate, we need to get to the gate. <laughs> While I'm like sniffing perfumes or something. It's like, it's fine. Yeah, I, know I will say, fine. Helen, come on. That, I, get, that, I, get, I, get, I get edgy, I like to be at the gate. And you're like, why? Yeah, why? So you're it's yeah. the worst part of the yeah. airport. I've always said this to you, you've got, the, you've got a deodorant that's 500 milliliters. Oh, I, I, I had like, some, oh, I what do you mean I can't take this Jeroboam of fucking... <laughs> last time in my bag <laughs> Ellie's like why are you like we've this we've been on planes before we've, we've been we've on planes lo- we do a lot of travel together and so, yeah yeah, I do drive her nuts and I'm really sorry so we joke a lot about how there are three of us in this marriage <laughs> and but I genuinely feel like in the travel, I'm exactly in the middle between mm. you, at P- you and Pete because he's like too relaxed you and I have been in a queue to get on a plane like literally at the boarding gate like literally standing up walking onto the Pete plane Pete really punched me in the goes, face coming I'm going to go and get three beers and we're like no no you're not this is the getting on the plane time yeah, this, this is, is what the this end. is for. He got yeah. really huffy puffy when we were coming back from Geneva from that wedding because we, of course, went as a threesome to a <laughs> wedding, not in a weird sex way, just in a normal way. Uh, and then he was like, the most exciting thing ever happened in Geneva. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he was so huffy about not getting a beer, and he was like, "You can get a beer on the plane." And yeah. then he was, she was sort of indicating to me, going, "Look, I'm in between here. Like, she wants oh. to line up, and he wants to get beers anyway." And so, yeah, and so anyway, I went <laughs> down on them both, and it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm just anyway. My my sort of confession is is that um, I I I missed you very much. Yeah. Uh, just getting on our lovely romantic trip in the first hour of our romantic trip, I missed you because I was like, they're both pains in the asses at fucking airports. But at least with that one, you get on the fucking plane. Yeah. With this one, we're gonna and miss the fucking plane. And she's got some champagne on her. Yes, yes she'll exactly. have the oysters and champagne. Yeah. Yes, I'll be she's, at Portland she's, and Mason. She's had to go and buy all her beauty products again. In yeah. the oh my god. Oh, oh, oh. happy times. Anyway, um, uh, so a slightly embarrassing thing happened to me the week before last um, so I was doing an event so I host lots of events and one tends to get kind of dressed up for events put a face makeup on blow dry and all of that and um, I wore a pair of black wide trousers which I'd worn to a different thing the night before living out of a suitcase at the moment this is a rare day home for me because I'm on book tour and I went on stage, I did the event with this pair of black trousers on, and afterwards a man came up to me and said, your hem on your trouser leg has come down, your your hem is jagged, I think it's fallen down, you need to get that seen to. I thought, oh, all right, mate. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's me told. Yeah. So, so I said... Oh, you oh. love my book, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, great. So, um, so I said, oh, okay, thanks, thanks very much. 
and I looked down and indeed my hem was jagged but it wasn't because my hem had come down it was because my knickers from the <gasps> day before had gone down the trouser leg and had formed a kind of jagged la- lacy bottom <laughs> to my trousers oh, do you mate. ever get that when you take your trousers oh, off God, you're yeah. so tired and your yeah, knickers yeah. are still I've in I've done I've done a school the school run like day, that oh God the next day you push the, li- the yeah. knickers down my worst child related one which was many 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 years ago was um, I was taking my kids to school in the morning one of my children's school in the morning and um, I was writing I think my first book at the time I was so tired I was like going to bed at like three in the morning after writing getting up at seven to take the kids and it was all kind of hurried and late and so I basically had my pajamas on not yeah. like stripy old man pajamas but like plain pajamas yeah and I shoved a bobble hat on and some Ugg boots and put a coat over my pajamas perfectly fine chucked Absolutely. my child in the car and I'd done this many times before yeah. let's not lie chucked my child in the car get to school and I'm like all right then bye love you and he's like oh are you coming to my assembly <gasps> oh my god and I said what assembly and he said I forgot to tell you I've got an assembly and I've got to read a thing I was like oh shit <laughs> oh so he said oh you need to park the car and come in it was literally in my pyjamas so mm. I had to go into the hall where all the other mm. parents had like makeup on and a brooch and a coat and everyone <laughs> and looked bra. so nice <laughs> and a bra and everyone looked so nice I had my Ugg slippers on pajamas a coat a bobble hat and yesterday's makeup because I've been writing all night and I had to go and sit and the only free seat was near the front so I was really near the front sitting in my pajamas surrounded by all these well-heeled parents like dribble on me and stuff (laughs) and throughout the whole thing and then at which point they had to pull some kind of raffle or something so they asked somebody to come up on stage to pull the raffle so I was like not me no and my child was going mum mum he was really little at times like mum mum Shut it down! No. Shut it down! Not and today. in my pajamas, oh. <laughs> and it, it was like an anxiety dream. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It was so horrible. I think I've had that anxiety dream. It oh was so my. awful. I could not wait, and then of course I had to wait for all the other parents to file out Mm-mm. so that I could leave because I was sitting in my fucking pajamas, <laughs> and they were obviously pajamas. I didn't look like a yoga mum. They yeah. were pajamas. Yeah. Oh. They were unequivocally pajamas. Bravo, mate! Though bravo. Yeah. My my, I would have just um, thought of a story uh, about being embarrassed at the school. Uh, it was a very hot evening, and I was wearing too many clothes for the parent-teacher interview. And I had, I was really jolly and not flirty with the teacher, but you know, oh, it was great. And when I stood up, there was the fanny, the the fanny sweat mark oh. that we could all see. That horrific. Oh. I think Her- that's horrific. happened to everyone. The cheering the shroud. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I think that's a common oh. one. Isn't oh. it? Since I got a jade velvet sofa, my goodness me. <laughs> it's, it's seen some time. It has so many it's impressions. Like a palimpsest. <laughs> it's just. I think layer everyone layer. has had a moment like in a meeting where they've gone to get up and they've gone and I'm just going to wipe the seat yeah. <laughs> yes. it's just like that and yeah. done good yeah. oh. they're quite dark moments aren't they yeah. oh. and just think years later that little boy in that assembly was selling those pyjamas on eBay <laughs> while his mother screamed at him from the bottom of the stairs what a lovely story thank you for it's sharing beautiful, that beautiful moment between mother oh. and son Oh, well, we're, we've sort of come to the end, Sally, We have. We? Thank yes. you so much, Sally. It's been an absolute delight. Now, Thanks, uh, your book me. is out now. All your books are out now, in fact. <laughs> yes. They're all out now, although I think Our Rainbow Queen, which is a bit of a random blip in my career, because I didn't come up with the idea for that book. I was asked to write it. But I think that's sold out because of recent events. Mm. Um, 
but I think you can get everything else. This pretty honest, pretty iconic, and then the latest one is everything is washable and other life lessons. It's absolutely excellent. excellent. Buy it for everybody. Well, yes, uh, we should hawk some of our shit quickly. Yes, yes, we're on tour. Our Christmas tour is nearly sold out, so get tickets now. uh, what else we were on tour all next year it's our big 10 year anniversary tour so we're on tour yes until December 2023 well thanks so much Sally for coming on the podcast uh, until next time bye 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 and can years. you believe the man who runs beauty banks knew when you were ending what a perfect friend. oh hello He's there alright well done hello Leo um no, yeah, we yeah, are. Yes, we are. It's fine. But that's okay. That's hi, lovely. Hi, hi, hi. How's it going? You're right. Uh, we literally just uh, finishing now. Is that all right? If we just oh, sit yeah, 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 fine. Yeah. No, sit down. You don't have to go yeah, out. No, 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 no. It's fine. I'll be here. Oh, okay. Oh, he seems nice. He's lovely. Oh, good. It's you have to say that because he's just in the room over yeah. there.